This episode is brought to you by Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community for creators. With more than 25,000 classes in design, business, and more, you'll discover countless ways to fuel your curiosity, creativity, and career. Are you looking how to start a new podcast? Go to Skillshare for two months free with the link in our website, description below, and social media. Hey guys, welcome back to I Need to Pee podcast. And this week we have a very special guest who are super excited to introduce Chelsea Connors, who is a certified life coach, therapist, and speaker using a holistic approach to mental and emotional well being. She is the founder of the Practice Membership, a virtual membership supporting you in exploring and nurturing your emotional well being. She supports her clients in navigating the anxiety and stress that is often overwhelming in the real world so that they can feel more grounded, intentional, and joyful in life. And what better time to talk to a life ther- like a life coach and therapist during the year of 2020, am I right? So <laughs> to kick things off, Hayden. Yes, thank you so much. And thank you for being here. As we all know, 2020 has been a little tough for people to follow a routine specifically. And we know that you suggest the morning menu. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that is and what that entails? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first and foremost, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and to to get to have this conversation. And yeah, 2020. Wow, what a year. <laughs> and one of the things that I think is so, so important in talking about emotional well-being or just like overall how we support ourselves in general is often thinking about flexible structure, right? Like how can we create some structures that are going to feel reliable, consistent, supportive that we have for ourselves, but are also going to be flexible and realistic enough that they can kind of ebb and flow and change as we do, as we go through different seasons of life. And so that's the same concept that is applied to my morning menu, right? Is thinking about there might be some seasons of life where it feels really good to do the same exact things in the same exact way each day, right? That might feel really good for, I don't know, a week, a month, a few months. And then there might be seasons of life where it feels like that doesn't actually feel that serving because each day is so different or you're going through a lot of different waves of emotions, which a lot of us are right now, understandably so in 2020, but also just in normal life. And so creating a morning menu is essentially an approach to a morning routine that says, hey, can I create a list of options for myself that I could do with my morning times that is going to meet my needs and meet me where I'm at on any given different day, right? And I don't, everybody's mornings looks different, but like I know for me, some mornings I have 20 minutes to do, like dedicate to myself. Other mornings, I might have an hour. Other mornings, I might have like 10 minutes, right? Or some mornings, I might opt for extra sleep rather than getting up and going through different supports. So having a menu of options can allow you to feel empowered to just say, okay, what does my day look like today? And what feels serving to me? And then pick from that menu, but also not be so overwhelmed where it's like, I don't even know what I do that feels good. How do I support myself? and have to like rack your brain so hard first thing in the morning. Gotcha. No, that makes sense. And are there specific things that you would say people should be doing? Like I know for me, I really like to get, you know, exercise in the morning if possible, just because it starts my day off well. Like what kind of things do you recommend people have in that menu? Yeah, absolutely. I think exercise is a great one if that feels supportive. So I think I tend to take pause in terms of saying like, this is what you should do because I really, really empower everybody to tune into themselves to figure out like, what is that for you? What does that look like for you? That being said, right? Some things that consistently from a physiological standpoint that typically are, are great are even things like getting outside and getting some sunlight first thing in the morning. That can be really, really stimulating and help support your circadian rhythm, which like will allow you to feel more awake and alert in the mornings and more restful at night. So even if you have trouble sleeping or you're feeling really stressed or you have more anxiety or for whatever reason, 
that can be a really great thing to have on your morning menu and like make it more ritualistic if you like bring like some hot lemon water outside or your cup of coffee and sip that and enjoy that so that could be a really good like soothing option many people find that they tend to have the most clarity in the mornings too so sometimes creating space for reflection via journaling or thinking about how you want to approach your day and being more intentional through a practice like that can be really supportive or really serving because it's almost like one of the very few times that we almost have space before the world tells us what we should be thinking about or what we should be doing. So kind of along those same lines, I don't really care what you're doing, but if you can support yourself in giving yourself the space to be with just you before being on social media, before checking your email, before anything else that the world is going to be asking of you or putting onto you, that can be really, really transformative and make that time much more beneficial and impactful. That's awesome. I actually, two months ago, I started this thing called Miracle Morning, Mm -hmm. but it's very ritualistic. So Mm -hmm. hyper, hyper, so uh, regimented in a way where like you have to dedicate like a specific amount of minutes to the different acts and it takes up exactly one hour and it's Mm -hmm. like 10 minutes of every single thing. And I found that that ritualistic, like ritual was really helpful, but I also like, but I'm not the most regimented person. And so I really like that your advice is to not necessarily have to stick to one specific routine. That's like very, very specific every single morning. I like the concept of a menu because Mm -hmm. I think it gives you the flexibility and the ability to sort of like take a step back from not feeling like the pressure. Like, oh God, I didn't get my 10 minutes of like journaling in today or my 10 minutes of meditation wasn't there. I didn't have time to exercise because I didn't have time to sweat and take another shower. Mm -hmm. And it's like, instead of feeling guilty, I like that your recommendation is, you know, like whatever feels nurturing to yourself at that moment. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I love Miracle Morning. And I'm also, I mean, I've had seasons in my own life personally where I've done something that is much more structured or rigid in the mornings. And that felt awesome and so good and so supportive. And then all of a sudden I'll just be like, I don't even want to do that. And all of a sudden it will start feeling icky. And so I like having this approach because it just allows you to be with yourself no matter where you are and choose whatever feels good for you. So I'm so glad to hear that that really resonated with you. I'm going to speak for all the night owls out there. I've always wanted to be a morning person, but like it's something I go to bed with at night saying I'm going to wake up tomorrow earlier to do something for myself. And it never happens. I'm the type of, per- type of person that rolls out of bed at like, I have a meeting at nine and I'm literally rolling into my meeting, same clothes, like, what's up guys? <laughs> I did not yeah. just wake up, like, what's up? <laughs> so I'm wondering if you have any tips for people that like, it's hard sometimes to really get yourself in a routine and take time for yourself. Like, yeah, going on a walk in the morning and working out is something I totally want to do. I just truly can't get myself to do it sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. And I can tell you again, like speaking from my own experience, I think I started wanting to be a morning person maybe when I was in like 11th grade. I was just like, that sounds so great. And I struggled to do it until like my mid twenties. Like it felt nearly impossible for me to get up and I would do the same thing in terms of like, I would go to bed saying like, okay, tomorrow's going to be the day. I'm going to get up at X time. I'm going to do A, B, and C. And then my life's going to be better. And I'm going to be a morning person and it's going to be great. And that probably went on for years where I really fought against that. And I think you may not like my answer here, but one of my biggest tips to becoming a morning person or helping yourself get out of bed in the morning has to be starting with sleep, right? Because if we're just plain exhausted, you're fighting against your biology, right? Like you're tired, you're probably needing more rest and also really going deeper than like, I wanna work out in the morning to establish like, well, why? Like what is underneath that of like, what would happen for you if you were approaching your mornings differently or how might that impact how you feel throughout your days and like really clarifying maybe a little bit deeper there so that to see if that helps with the motivation, like when the alarm is buzzing and you're like, not happening. No, thank you. (laughs) Maybe tomorrow. 
So those are two of the things that I would start to think about is like, first things first, are you getting enough sleep? And how does that feel? And maybe working at the nighttime first so that you can actually have enough rest to say like, yeah, it makes sense for me to get up now. And then thinking about like, well, why on a deeper level would this be supportive or helpful for the life that I'm creating or the person I want to be or what I want to do or whatever your why ends up being? Mm-hmm. I was hoping you were going to say, no, that's okay. There's such thing as like a miracle night, like <laughs> sleep in the morning, do your journaling at night. It's fine. But no, I know it's like a problem. I'm working on it, but I'm just wanted to ask for the night owls out there because it's really hard. And it sounds like such a first world problem. Like I can't get out of bed, but like, <sighs> no, it's, it's a struggle. I need to work on it, but thank you. I'm inspired. And <laughs> I want to transition over to like, the feeling of anxiety and how like you would navigate um, having like anxious thoughts, uh, feelings of being overwhelmed. I know Mm -hmm. that with 2020, that's like been big thing, even prior 2020, like anxiety has always been a thing, but especially lately, everyone has had like lots of feels all year. So what's, what's your like a magic, magic recipe (laughs) for that? You know, I really wish I had a magic recipe that would make it go away, but I think when it comes to anxiety, right, first off, just kind of a disclaimer that there are so many different ways to approach anxiety, to work with anxious thoughts, to unpack overwhelm. So anything that I share here, like if it connects with any of you or anyone listening and it doesn't work for you, that's okay, right? Like there is no right equation or right answer that works for everybody. And I think that that's one of the things that can make this so challenging sometimes is we can feel a lot of pressure of like, I'm doing the things I'm supposed to be doing to feel good all the time and I don't feel good all the time. So what's wrong with me? And then we can almost compound the anxiety with more like pressure or more self-criticism, which then makes the anxiety like just build, right? And so that's one of my first things is with the anxiety letting it be there sometimes, right? Because a lot of times what we do is we're so prone to fight against how we're feeling or try to fix it or want it to go away. And the hard truth is that as human beings, we are meant to feel, we are meant to experience things. And a lot of times it has valuable information if we sit with it. And Having support around exploring that can be really helpful if this is something that's new to you. And that can look like so many, so many different avenues or routes of getting support. But if this is totally new and you feel like you've tried to be in this video, I'm gonna on your own. Daily if you feel like you've tried to go through this on your own, you and it hasn't been working, that's okay, right? Like that's another thing with anxiety. And I know this is kind of talking around your question, I promise I'll get back to actually, what do we do with anxious thoughts? Um, (laughs) But like, there's nothing wrong with not knowing how to navigate this. Like we didn't learn about this in school, which is one of the most frustrating things, I think, because we all have emotions and they're so, so powerful. And we often feel powerless to them when we don't have the tools that we need to learn how to navigate them. So there's nothing wrong with you. It's okay to have feelings. Let them be. Don't fight against them as much as you can. And then start to explore them, right? Or start to explore how you respond to them, right? So once you start to feel anxiety, what is that like for you? Where do you feel it in your body? Can you identify some of those physical sensations? Are there any contributing factors that feel pretty consistent that you can start to then like if there are any external shifts that need to be made, or if it's more happening like internal, what is the like noise around what you're experiencing? Like how, what is the story that you're telling yourself, right? That's a Brene Brown quote or concept that she's introduced a ton that I absolutely love. And I use with clients all the time, but like, what is the story that you're telling yourself about whatever's happening and how true is that? right? And starting to fact check that, not to degrade yourself, but again, very, very, very much so from the place of exploring and experiencing, not fixing and necessarily changing. Because the truth is that 
I mean, 2020 is the perfect example. There are things that are going to happen to us and around us that we can't control or change. So being able to, one, get more comfortable with discomfort and then to explore it so that we can have a better understanding of how we want to be and how we want to relate to it can be really, really helpful in releasing some of that pressure and having the anxiety not last maybe as long or feel as intense. I have a follow-up question to that because I feel like so much of our anxiety is personal, right? Like it lives within us and it kind of festers inside of us and we have to learn how to cope with it on our own. And of course, one of the biggest points of advice that, you know, we'll hear from professionals is it's so important to have a support system around you. But in the year of 2020, when many of us have spent the majority of the year, either isolated in quarantine alone or maybe far away from our support system, I think that a small piece of us has sort of forgotten how to talk to our friends and how to lean on our friends and how to ask for help from our support system. So Mm -hmm. inevitably, I think that anxiety has leaked out a little bit and Mm -hmm. affected the close relationships around us. So when things like anxiety manifest themselves in ways that aren't always positive towards our relationships or that might negatively affect our friendships or the close people in our lives, How do we articulate that? How do we cope with that? And how would you recommend people reach out or reconcile? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Such a good question and such an important point, right? Because it's, it's so interesting because in a lot of ways, I guess specifically in thinking about what's going on in 2020, there's a, a level of this that we're all experiencing together. And yet we're all having our very own unique journeys through it, depending on our circumstances. And so it's kind of this feeling where on the the one hand, we're kind of connected in that. And on the other hand, it's isolating because we're all having very unique journeys through it. So in addressing your question, right, it's hard to, again, give it like a blanket answer, because I think it's going to be different for everybody, depending on what feels good to that person, right? So for example, a thought that I have is like for me, when I mess up or I feel like I haven't handled the situation in the best way or how I wanted to, I like to name that and just say like, for example, if that were something that had happened with my best friend where I noticed or realized that I'd been going through a lot on my own internally and kind of pushing her away or closing her out. Like just one example, that's something that we can tend to do when we feel anxious. And especially when we feel alone in our anxiety is we can isolate ourselves very, very much so. And sometimes that can impact the people around us either in ways that we don't intend or in a a negative way, thinking about like the relationship. So I might go to my best friend and say like, hey, I did that thing where I've been feeling really anxious and I didn't know how to tell you. And so I'm realizing now that I was pushing you away and I don't know like how to approach it or exactly like what to do, but I want you to know that I see it and it's something I'm thinking about. I'm going to be trying to do better, right? Or exploring how I could better navigate it, right? And I recognize that that can feel really challenging to just say those words, right, for a lot of people or to have that self-awareness. But I think that's part of this, too, is to be able to give each other and ourselves grace, right? None of us have experienced this before. None of us have gone through this before. And like I mentioned before, we're all in such different spots with it in a lot of ways. And so giving yourself grace there too and saying like, it's okay to mess up or to not handle everything perfectly. And you get to decide like, now what? Now that you recognize that, who do you need in your circle? Who do you want to call in? How might you tap into those relationships a little bit more, a little bit differently based on where you're at today, right? And if there's something in the past that needs to be acknowledged, how can you do that in a way that feels okay for you? Another thing that I'm a huge advocate for, which I know can sound like kind of cheesy, but honestly, sometimes when it's hard to communicate, like writing can be really helpful, whether it's writing a letter and actually sending it or like a a message or a note 
or it's writing a letter as if you are going to send it so that you can comprehend what's going on for you and then deciding what you want to do with that information. That can be a really, really, what is the word I'm looking for? Like clarifying or cathartic experience where we can then move forward and, and get some of those answers from ourselves. Does that help? I know that was a very long-winded answer. Yeah, no, I think that was a really great answer. And I mean, I think you did a really great job of just kind of tapping into the fact that like we can only be in control of our own actions and our own choices and our own words and hope, you know, the people around us, like if they're affected by it, hopefully, you know, relationships can rebuild, but it's been such a trying time. And there have been so many things happening around the world right now that have just led to so many difficult conversations and diff- and relationships have really been tested that I think that you bring up a really good point that like you can recognize your own stuff, but that's, that's the most you can do sometimes. And then mm-hmm. everything else falls into place, but it's actually a really great transition into our next question, which is when you're feeling lost, how do you circle back? I mean, you kind of address journaling and, or writing letters. I think those are really great ways of kind of grounding yourself in your own feelings. But when you feel like you've kind of lost yourself, do you mm-hmm. have any advice? Uh, yeah, this is such a good question too. And this is something that ooh, so often like clients will come to me and this is like the main crux. It's just like, I feel lost or I feel really stuck or I don't know like what I'm even doing or what I'm even working towards anymore. And that feels really hard or really scary. So I think this is such a good question. And similarly to some of my other responses, right? Like there's no one right answer. And so my advice is always going to be, what are the things that make you feel or historically have helped you to feel the most you or the most free? or the most connected to the things that matter to you, be it relationships, be it your spirituality, be it yourself or whatever it is, it really doesn't matter. But let's hone in on those things and try from those spaces first and think about like in feeling lost, right? Or in this process of circling back, what are you hoping to get out of it? right? Because that's another thing is sometimes we can feel like we're fighting so hard for something, but not necessarily know what we're like looking for. And sometimes that's okay. Like we don't always know. That's the truth of it. We're not always going to absolutely know what we're wanting and or needing. And that's okay. So making space for that as well to not always have all of the answers for sure is a huge part of this process and of feeling lost. It's just, again, normalizing like This happens to all of us. We all go through seasons of life where we're like, what is happening? Who am I? What am I doing? Where do I want to be? How do I want to be? And it feels like a lot. So first thing is just like, we all do that. I think journaling can be a great exercise, but for a lot of people that doesn't really connect. So if you feel the most connected to yourself when you're running or when you're laying on the beach or when you're at a certain park or when you are sharing space with, this is like kind of ironic right now, but like with a certain person or certain people or a certain community, right? Like, can we make that more of a priority and go into those experiences with kind of somewhere in your headspace of like, okay, I just have in my, in my mind that like, I want to explore this lostness in quotation marks. I know that's not a word that I'm experiencing and just see if like anything comes up for me around it or if it feels good to have more structure, create that structure for yourself. Like think about some journaling prompts. Think about some questions that you have. Is there certain music that helps you feel more connected to yourself? All of those things, like all of the outlets, there's no one right way, but there's so many different ways. I think a lot of it is just like making the space for it and allowing ourselves permission that like, it's okay for me to take hours or days or weeks to be centering in on myself, which is where I see a lot of people experience a lot of friction because that almost, we feel as though we shouldn't need to in a lot of ways. Does that resonate with any of you guys? Yeah, I can think of an experience where I was just feeling 
down in my life. I felt like everything was going wrong. I wasn't really enjoying my job and relationships in my life were going all over the place. And someone told me, go do something that you know you're really good at and it'll give you that confidence in the rest of your life. And so I went on the ski trip and we all kind of grew up skiing and I love skiing. It's like one of my biggest passions. And that totally made me feel like, wow, I'm good at something. I'm confident again. I can I can conquer this mountain. I can conquer my life. And so I do think that that's great advice for people. Of just if you're feeling a certain way, like tapping into whatever it is that you're good at or really enjoy um, and kind of that'll impact the rest of your life. Yeah, because it's so easy. It's so much more comfortable, I should say, to fall into the stuff that like almost feeds that feeling. Like when you're sad, you listen to sad music. When you're tired, you don't want to get out of bed. Like when you feel lonely, you don't want to be around people. But really you have to like push yourself. What I'm hearing you saying is like challenge yourself to do the thing almost that makes you uncomfortable in that moment because the reward is that you will feel so much better and hopefully you break that feeling. Mm. Yeah. And I and I think there's space here for like both and, right? Like if you're feeling sad and you want to stay in bed, like stay the heck in bed for a little bit, right? If you need to like be by yourself for a little bit, awesome, great. There's nothing wrong with that. But at what point does it become like a barrier or unhelpful? And then we can start to ask the questions of like, okay, I've allowed myself to feel my feelings. I've allowed myself to do X, Y, or Z thing that I'm really was needing and wanting and craving. And here I am experiencing this still or again how might I approach it differently this time? Or what else could I try? Or what would give, and in therapy, we tend to call that like opposite action, where sometimes the thing that is the most supportive is the opposite of what we're wanting, but that's not always the case, right? So I think, again, it just speaks to the practice of letting ourselves be more experimental rather than regimented with how we support ourselves because there might be a time where you feel sad and you lay in bed for a couple of hours or you watch a sad movie or have ice cream and wine and like a night to yourself and cry. And then you wake up and you're like, okay, I can do, I'm okay. And then there might be other days where you do that. And then like weeks go on and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm still here. Like I need to do something different. And they're both okay. Definitely. And I guess this transitions into the next question. I think everything kind of leads up to sleep. I know personally, I am a terrible sleeper. I take forever to fall asleep. I wake up early. I wake up multiple times the night. I honestly don't know how I have as much energy as I do during the day because I do not sleep enough. So I guess for those people out there, and then also people who might be laying awake with anxious thoughts, feeling lost, how do you recommend getting a good night's sleep? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love this question. I think it's so important because especially I do a lot of work with anxiety and anxiety and sleep deprivation tend to be kind of a two-way street, right? Where when we're feeling anxious, it can be hard to sleep. And when we're not well rested, we can be more susceptible to feeling anxious or more stressed, right? So I think we've probably all had this experience where we didn't sleep very well, we didn't get a good night's sleep. And then maybe it's like noon the next day and all of a sudden, three like inconvenient things have happened, but it feels like our worlds are kind of crumbling. Have you guys been there? Oh yeah. Yeah. So many times. (laughs) Three inconvenient things. I just need like half of an inconvenient thing to happen. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I think as we were chatting about before, like this is just something I relate to personally so very much because on my journey to becoming a morning person, I had to deal with all of this and I had to look at how I was approaching sleep and the things that I were, that I was doing or that I wasn't doing to support myself in getting good sleep and being able to rest. And so I used to be somebody who I would stay up, I don't know, probably until I think like around 11 or 12 is when I would try and start like getting into bed, but I would bring my phone into bed and I would kind of be texting, maybe listening to some music or I'd have the TV on in the background and then I'd turn it off and then it'd be like 2 a.m. and I'd be running through 
everything that happened that day, as well as everything that could happen tomorrow, as well as where I wanted to be three years from now. I'm playing all the possible scenarios and everything that could go wrong. And then it was like 4 a.m. And I was like, wow, I'm going to be really tired tomorrow. And now I only have like three hours to sleep. And this is frustrating. And now I'm more anxious because I only have three hours to sleep. And then maybe I would get like two to three hours and then I wake up and I'm like, wow, that was awful. And I never want to do that again. And I started to get anxiety about bedtime, honestly. Like I started to dread the nighttime because I knew I was going to be laying up in bed for hours upon hours upon hours. And that felt really like scary and sad and frustrating to me. And I felt exhausted throughout my days. Like it was on a huge, my energy was on a huge roller coaster. So I have so many feels about this topic. (laughs) And so this is, again, something that I talk about often with clients and I teach about a lot. And the term that I use for it is sleep hygiene, right? Because in the same way that we maybe take care of our physical bodies or we help ourselves like stay clean and healthy and supported, like we need to do that with our sleep as well. And again, this is something that, I don't know, maybe like thinking about my own experiences, maybe somebody tried to teach this to me when I was younger and I just wasn't listening, but I don't recall anybody like really teaching this kind of stuff to me and, and how important it is. Like I, until I started sleeping well, I didn't know that it was possible to feel the way that I feel consistently now in terms of just like energy and clarity and being able to be more decisive. Like so many things opened up for me when I started sleeping well. So some of the things that I recommend are similar to the morning menu of a night menu like a, or a sleep menu of creating, like if you could start with 20 minutes, that would be ideal. But honestly, even if you started with 10 or 15, I would take it. Ideally, I'd love to get like 30 minutes before bed to start thinking and allowing your body to know that sleep is coming, Right. And if you think about it, from the moment we wake up, we're taking in more and more information, right? We check social media, we're checking email, maybe we're reading the news, we're going to work, we're thinking about our relationships, we're thinking about our futures, we're thinking about what's not working, right? And there's a lot going on, not to mention like marketing, advertising, like subliminal messages that we're getting throughout the day when we're like scrolling on the internet or whatever it might be. So I think one thing that really clicked for me that a lot of clients seem to resonate with is how understandable that my head hitting the pillow isn't enough for my body to know that it is okay to stop working so hard or to stop processing. And what time have I really given it to process everything that's gone on throughout the day? Like, have I been just constantly engaged And I just made like a little tweaky face with my eyes because I think about like answering emails super late at night or staring at Netflix or whatever it might be. And like those things aren't inherently bad, but again, like viewing our relationship with them and are they supporting and at what point do they become unhelpful? So anyway, back to the sleep menu is 20 to 30 minutes before bed, start teaching your body what it's like to relax and what bedtime feels like. Right. And so creating a list of things that are going to nourish your physical body, your mental body, your spiritual body, and consistently engaging in those practices, as well as thinking about your environment. So, in thinking about your sleep environment, it's really, really helpful to be in a dark and cool space. Right. So, you can ask my husband and you you guys can all laugh at me, but like I sleep with an eye mask and earmuffs. I mean, earplugs, not earmuffs, (laughs) earplugs, Um, because our dog sleeps in our room. My husband can be like a mouth breather, and I'm just like, I'm not about it. I'm not about it. I want my sleep. Um, And that's made a really huge difference. Like even the light of the alarm clock sometimes will annoy me now, but before it was something I didn't think impacted me, right? Or So being really mindful of your environment and how are you creating kind of like a cozy, comfortable space for yourself, whether that's like you light the same scent every night around the same time that helps you like, okay, start to feel into rest 
and what that actually can be like for you. Or you have a specific like blanket or pillowcase that is just like, it feels so good for you. So those are some environmental factors. And then thinking about, again, like how are you helping your body and your mind process the day? So we tend to carry a lot of stress in our physical bodies. And again, speaking from my own experience, I know for me in my body, I tend to carry a lot in like my upper shoulders and my, my shoulders and my upper back. So like I'll do three to five minutes of just a couple quick stretches that I know help me release that space or just like feel into like, how do I feel right now? What's going on in my body, right? We live so disconnected most of the time from our physical bodies, and yet we expect them to perform to a T, right? So how are you meeting your body halfway and saying like, oh, I acknowledge that you do a lot for me and that I can support you as much as you support me. And I know that sounds, may sound kind of like cheesy or corny, but it really is true. A lot of us when we, especially if we tend to be more like have a lot that we want to get done or be very, very driven and motivated and maybe type A or whatever it might be, we can forget that we also have to be taking care of ourselves in order to maintain that or sustain that over time. So again, physical body, stretching, oils, candles, scents, like how are you doing that? Um, Maybe giving yourself like a little self-massage if there's a specific area of your body that you notice there's a lot of tension. Um, Things like brushing your teeth, washing your face, but like paying attention while you do those things and really saying like, oh, this is me taking care of my body right? Like I'm already doing these things. So what if I just agreed to put my phone away and enjoy the experience of like, what does my face wash, face wash smell like? How does it feel on my skin? Right? What is it like to brush my teeth? And these are some simple shifts that don't take any more time, but can really have a big impact on slowing the mind down and giving yourself some space from constantly being like, tuned in or taking in more and more information. And then thinking about like, if there are some other practices that feel supportive, some of the ones that I love are things like journaling. But if journaling doesn't feel good, I also am like, okay, what are the things that keep you up at night? Is it your to-do list for the next day? Have you written that down somewhere, right? Like, can we write that so you feel like it is somewhere that you don't have to constantly keep going through it? over and over and over again as you're trying to fall asleep. Reading, that can feel either really stimulating or really restful for people. So again, tune into yourself, what feels good for you. Some type of meditation or breathing exercise. Yoga Nidra is actually a breathing practice that is can be super supportive for allowing you to experience more of a physical rest and release. There are a ton, obviously, of free apps where you can get things like that or even YouTube. But one thing to caution with that is if you're going to be using your device to do that, like how can we have you flip your device over, have it still be like away from your bed and not that you're sleeping with your phone under your pillow. So again, I'm sorry for all of my long-winded answers, but you guys are hitting on some things that I'm so, so passionate about. But again, no right answer with the sleep hygiene, but just how can you fill that 20 to 30 minutes to start to teach your body what it's like to go from go mode to rest mode and give it some time and space to process everything that you've gone through throughout that day and beyond so that you might not feel as wound up or as anxious or as stimulated once you are getting ready for sleep and going into that like really restorative REM type of sleep that we all need. So that was amazing. Wow. (laughs) I feel like we should, like, you should be charging us. (laughs) Not going to lie. But you were talking about rest mode, sleep mode, morning mode. Let's switch it up a little bit and talk about money mode. Mm. Yes. I'm excited to ask you about this because I just love money. And I love the idea of saving money and like, you know, being an independent, financially stable woman. So (laughs) you you have this thing called a weekly money date. Yeah. I'm so curious to me. I think I know what it sounds like, but I'm just so curious. Can you tell us a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. 
this was something that was actually introduced to me by a business coach that I worked with a couple of years ago, whose name is Taylor Liu. And I'm sure there are tons of people who do this or something very similar to this, but it's something that I didn't really even register to me until I became an entrepreneur and had my own business, which I think is just like, not good. Like I think so everybody can benefit from this practice. And so I still share it regularly on all of my platforms because also how integral is our financial health when we think about our mental health, right? Like how stressful is it when we don't feel financially secure or supported? That can impact our well-being on so many different levels. So what a money date looks like for me It's essentially a weekly practice and it doesn't have to be weekly. You can do it however often feels good for you. But where I just am like checking my accounts, I'm moving money where I want it to be, whether that be into different savings accounts or investments or paying bills, but I'm enjoying that process and actively engaging with it rather than feeling like, oh, I have this bill to pay or I haven't been like looking at my money at all and I don't even know how much I have. And that can feel really, really stressful and anxiety inducing. And these are practices, again, that I don't necessarily feel like, depending on like the influences you've had around you, but I wouldn't say are definitely taught to us, right? But it's so important. And two, It helps me feel immense gratitude for what I have. And I feel much more connected and empowered because I know what's coming in. Where is it going? What am I doing with that? Even if it is like I'm paying for food this week, I can pay for gas, right? And I'm speaking right now from a place of privilege, right? Because I get to think about those things and I recognize not everybody Not everybody does, right? There are people where their finances dictate so much of their lives and living paycheck to paycheck or or struggling to do that or, right, is their reality. So I want to just acknowledge that with my money dates, I'm speaking from a place of privilege in terms of how I approach them and that that may not feel accessible for everyone. And there was a time in my life where money was extremely stressful for me. And this practice has really helped me transform how I look at money. And I also think having my own business has forced me in a way, but also now like in a very enjoyable way to view it very, very differently. But it took intentional time week after week after week to start to have that experience and to unpack like what beliefs I hold about money that are helpful and are supporting me and getting where I want to be and what aren't. And so that sometimes will be part of my money date as well is if I notice that there's something like sticking out or something I'm really, really excited about, I will take the time to write through that. Writing is like a really supportive and helpful process for me personally. It doesn't have to be that for everybody, Um, but I'll acknowledge it. I won't just brush it off or keep going or like rush through it. And that feels really good. And, and just like a little bit more around this money date is as I'm like checking all of my accounts or moving my money to where I want it to be, I also am like playing a playlist that I really love. And I typically make a drink that I really love, uh, like usually like a coffee or a matcha or a kombucha or like something that feels a little bit more special or fancy to like enjoy this experience rather than have dread around it. And a create more of a ritual if that makes sense wow that is yeah that's I definitely have like a weird thing with money and um I don't know like is there are there such thing as like a money therapist out there that can like really you know spend some time and you only talk about money that'd be cool (laughs) I do think there are coaches that specifically focus on finances like your relationship to money yeah that's awesome so one person we haven't heard from Dom, the producer, do you have anything you would like to chime in? Cause I know you do. <laughs> I'm just afraid that my, Oh, it's doing it again. All right. I'm Dom, the producer, <laughs> and I'll be in auto tune today. On the I love it. <laughs> laughter is soothing your 
mental health. But I have one question that I'm really surprised, ladies, you guys didn't answer or didn't ask, Chelsea, is mm-hmm. sex an antidepressant? <laughs> and how oh. much sex can you get to relieve your depression? <laughs> what a great question. What a great question. Oh my gosh, I feel like all of my answers here have been kind of along the same lines. But man, I think sex can serve us in so many different ways. And it, oh, I wish I could give like a blanket answer here, but I really think that it would depend on your relationship with sex, your relationship with your sexuality, your relationship with the person that you're having sex with, your intentions behind it, right? And how supportive that genuinely feels for you and acknowledging that and letting that be your guide, right? So being that we can only all live in our own bodies, I think it's so hard to dictate how sex can or can't support somebody else in their experience or their depression specifically. So those would be some of the questions I would be asking or exploring to help somebody understand like how might sex be integrative or supportive or not for you and specifically if you're navigating depression how much of a role that plays so it's basically you probably shouldn't be going out there as a single person like i'm depressed i need sex you're depressed you need sex let's get together you shouldn't be doing that during coronavirus right (laughs) i might not say like that's the best and first approach that we should go with here (laughs) all right sorry kales sorry Sorry, Hayden. (laughs) Sorry, sorry, Alexis. Sorry, Casey. (laughs) Should not be doing that. My second quick one is, you've heard this saying before, and I guess we'll be saying it in auto-tune right now. (laughs) You've heard this saying, I eat because I'm depressed. I'm depressed because I eat. If that's the case, what recommendations do you have on the food that can cure depression? Food that can cure depression. Or that can help alleviate depression. Hmm. What advice do I have on the food? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, this is about to be like the most therapisty answer in the whole wide world, but explore your relationship to food. Like what does food mean to you? (laughs) But I think that's really, really real, right? When we think about some of the supports or the things that we can lean on that are most accessible, food is huge. And we're also given a lot of rules around food as human beings about what foods are good versus bad, when we should eat, how much we should eat, what is supposed to be enough and what isn't, right? So again, just another way that we are taught to subscribe to somebody else's rules or regulations that may not actually feel very supportive for yourself or the season of life that you're going through. So it's such a nuanced question and it makes me think about, yeah, just that disconnect that we can have and how many like shoulds we can live by that don't take into consideration one, who we are as an individual or the nuances that humans experience throughout a lifetime and how our relationship to things like food as well as many other things is going to change over time and that's okay. And if we made more space for that rather than fought against it, just I wonder how much more free or capable we would feel to move through these types of things or these seasons of life. Thank you. (laughs) I'm sorry that both of those were very like broad answers. (laughs) Coronavirus hit and I gained like 15 on this neck if you see it right here like <laughs> so I'm just trying to figure out like does a is a Jamba Juice chocolate smoothie more healthy more healthy than <laughs> the fruity smoothie? But either way, I need to figure out how to get rid of this turkey neck right here. So thank you, you helped me out a lot. And and Chelsea, just as someone who's personally had a very tumultuous relationship with food, while your answer might have seemed broad, I think that it gave us the space to sort of find our own answers within that mm-hmm. because. 
one's relationship with food is really unique and also I think very unique to a moment in time. And so I feel like you actually answered it really, really well and really specifically because it's always ever changing. So mm -hmm. thank you. Yeah. Thanks say, so much when, uh, when Hayden was talking about how you got to go do something you're really good at, like skiing, I was thinking the same thing, but about eating. So, Hey, <laughs> Casey, you're also it. very good at skiing. So we can eat and ski, uh, skiing. Time. And then we go eat yep. and ski Some again, French fries, French fries <laughs> ketchup, mayo, salt. Mm. Perfect. Mm. Sounds so good. Well, I feel like we've been in the bathroom for a while and all this talk about healthy sleep hygiene is making me feel like it's time for a nap. <laughs> so thank you so much, Chelsea, for coming on. This has been really, really wonderful. I feel like you've given us so many tools to work with and so many different points of advice to really integrate into our daily lives and into our personal practice. So I'm personally very grateful. I think that our listeners will be as well. And I thank you. Thank you so, so much for having me. It has been such a joy to get to know all of you a little bit more and to just share space with you and talk about the things that we typically talk about in the bathroom with only our closest friends or don't even talk about at all. So I really am so grateful to be here and to have had the opportunity to have this conversation. We are so blessed to have you and we want to pay you back and have you take this time to promote yourself to our listeners so they can come find you, see what you have to offer. Yeah. Thanks so much. If you'd like to connect, you can follow me over on Instagram. My Instagram is just at Chelsea Connors with an underscore at the end. I'm not exactly sure when this is airing, but I am going to be doing a seven day actually journal series for free starting on September 8th to help you deepen and connect with the relationship that you have with yourself. So if that's something that feels of interest to you, you can go ahead and <laughs> sign up for, for that. I'll send you the link so that you can tag that in the show notes. And then my website is just chelseaconnors.com if you're looking to explore some of the ways I work with people. Awesome. Well, you can save four spots for us because I bet you we're all interested. Even Dom, the producer over there. Right, Dom? <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thanks again. We really appreciate you. And we hope to maybe have you as a guest again one day. Spread the love. Keep it going. But yeah, we've been in the bathroom for a bit too long. So I think it's time to head out, guys. What do you say? I say yes. All right. I have a thank you so much. I have an ending song for you, lady. Oh, if yes. you want to live a life stress free, take your ass to sleep. <laughs> Bye. 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 Bye.